Tappers, what's up? It is the Wednesday edition of the Daily Tap for February 10th. Hope everybody is doing well. We got a good show today. We are going to assess the Packer roster at this time of the season. So kind of look at what the Packers are offensively, defensively, not really talk about free agent wish list guys. We're going to kind of do that tomorrow with Mitch Ross. Um, So this is kind of like part one. We're going to look at what the Packers are right now, who they have available, what moves they could make, and do you expect certain guys to be back? So we're going to kind of look inward, and then tomorrow we will look outward. So this is kind of like part one of this topic. We are also going to talk about if Ryan Braun wants to play baseball this year, and then we'll go into a ticket story time about a road or a trip I had with my dad where we went to Boston for the Brewers and Red Sox in 2011. So we'll talk about all of that today. It should be a fun show. Let's start with the Green Bay Packers. So the Green Bay Packers obviously had an NFC Championship roster. Green Bay would like to take their roster to the next level and be a Super Bowl winning roster. Now you heard Aaron Rodgers after the NFC Championship game talk about how he's not going to be playing with these guys next season, that the roster will look different. And he is right. Like that is part of football. It changes year to year. But the Green Bay Packers know that they have to change some things. They have to tweak some things to make themselves a better roster. So that's what kind of what we're going to look at. And also, too, there are free agents. And we understand that certain guys are not going to re-sign. And that even though the Packers will give them an offer, they might get something better. I mean, that is part of the NFL. It's part of really any sport. But... I think the Green Bay Packers, more than anybody, have contracts in mind for guys and say, this is what we're going to give you. If you feel like you can get more money on the open market, go ahead and do it, but we're not going to budge from this number. This is our number for you. Take it or leave it. I think Russ Ball has a spreadsheet. I think he has like just some crazy ass fucking formulas where he just plugs in the guy, plugs in the stats and says, this is the contract. And then he works on the fine details. I don't really think Green Bay negotiates that much. I think every now and again, maybe with like a guy like David Bakhtiari or Aaron Rodgers, where it's like an MVP or a Hall of Fame guy, they would do that. But when it comes to like an Aaron Jones, who we'll talk about here in a second, I don't think they're doing that. I think they're saying, here's your contract. Tell me if you want it. If you don't, then we're going to move on. And that's okay. And that's okay if you find a deal that's better than what we are going, what we are prepared to offer you. I think Green Bay does that all the time, but that's just my opinion. I have no idea if that's actually true. I wish I did. Like, I would there be any more of a like fly in the wall than Russ Ball right around this time? Like, just hanging out with Russ Ball for a day and just being like, "Hey, what are you doing? How are we figuring out contracts? Are you looking at?" different things or exploring different options like do you get just projects like is Matt LaFleur or is Brian Gunaku saying like hey can you explore what our team looks like with X, Y, and Z player and this contract, like how does that work? Are we running models? I'd be fascinated. I Russ Ball is to me the one of the more fascinating guys in football that doesn't get a lot of like media he gets a lot of media attention from local, but like I would just like to know more. I think if the Packers were like a dynasty, kind of like the Patriots, I think he would be on Ernie Adams level of like, we don't know a ton about what Russ Ball does. We just know he figures out how to make the Packers in a fit cost-efficient team. 
So starting with the quarterback position, that's a pretty simple one. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I think you're going to restructure his deal, figure out a way to protect Aaron Rodgers. And then the question will be is, do you trade Jordan Love? And I don't know how this will will play out. I think there is a possibility that Jordan Love is traded this offseason. But I do also think that there are going to be teams who maybe miss out on a Sam Darnold, even a Deshaun Watson, uh, Carson Wentz, who maybe will be traded as close to today. Hopefully the Bears. I mean, that's that would be amazing content for, for all of us here at the Snowtap WI offices. But if they miss out, like, will they go after a guy like Jordan Love? I mean, I think there is a risk reward there because they have not seen Love play a single snap because preseason was not a thing due to COVID-19. So I don't know. Maybe Love isn't movable this year. Maybe it's next year that they start looking at Jordan Love if they restructure Rodgers' deal so he's not in a lame duck season in 2021. I don't think Green Bay is going to make Rodgers play a lame duck year in 2021. I just would be, I'd be really surprised. And if he is, well, we got a lot to talk about this this summer. This is going to be a very interesting fall. And we have just a shit ton to talk about that. And the content would be incredible. But I would think they're more likely to move on from Jordan Love. So what moves do I think they make quarterback wise for the offseason, I think it's restructuring Rodgers' deal and maybe moving on from Jordan Love. As for the running back position, this is a lot more sticky. You have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams as free agents. A.J. Dillon obviously coming back. The moves to make is obviously give Jones or Williams a deal. Now, Rob Demosky yesterday, I believe, said to Aaron Nagler that they haven't talked to Jamal Williams about a contract since... September, Jamal Williams fired his agent uh, yesterday. So obviously Jamal Williams is unhappy with either the offer that the Packers presented back in September or that there has not been any contact from Green Bay. I think Jamal Williams is going to be a break in case of emergency. I don't think Green Bay wants Jamal Williams back. And I know Jamal Williams is a good guy. I know Fans love Jamal Williams. I know Jamal Williams brings an energy to the team. I can't discount any of that shit. But at the same time, I just think he's too similar to A.J. Dillon. And I don't think that that's the guy you want as like your third back. I think you'd be better off drafting somebody as well as maybe picking up a free agent. Um, We'll talk about free agents tomorrow. But I thought that the list Matt Schneidman put together was great. And I want to go over it with Mitch and say, hey, do you like this guy? Do you not? And and give our sort of opinions on these different players. There's a certain guy that I think would be an excellent fit for Green Bay as like a third running back. That isn't Jamal Williams. So I, I just don't see it with Jamal Williams. Aaron Jones, like I said, I think a couple times this podcast and other ones, I think there's a deal on the table for Aaron Jones. I think that Aaron Jones has a deal ready for him. I think that was reported, right? That he, $55 million, one of the higher paid running back contracts. And I still think Drew Rosenhaus is going to say, go look at the open market first. And, you know, there were some rumors that a bunch of teams were were interested in Jones. I don't know how true that is. Um, you know, the guy was a nobody. You know, that's that's the thing. And I and I look, I understand that I'm a nobody, right? Like I get it. But at the same time, I'm not saying like sources close to me say Aaron Jones is getting interest from the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, 
you know, I mean, who the fuck am I, right? Like, this guy was just, uh, he ran a random place on the NFL. Like, I don't know, is he really that sourced out? We'll see. I'll, I'll wait to hear it from from some of the trustworthy dudes, um, even if they're not, like, big names. If it's just like, hey, I'm hearing a little bit about Aaron Jones and San Francisco, for, for example, which would suck. Um, but, you know, that's the type of thing where I like Aaron Jones. I want Aaron Jones back, but I also know that there is... It's going to take a lot. Um, it's going to take a lot to bring Aaron Jones back. As for the wide receiver group, um, I really think the only thing you have there in terms of your team, you have some restricted stuff with Alan Lazard uh, that you might need to take care of. I, I don't know. though. That's one of those things where I'm tough on those restricted contracts, whether you need to just re-up them, whether you need to do something different with them. But yeah, maybe you need to take care of Alan Lazard. You have uh, Devontae Adams, who could be in line for an extension. I believe he is a free agent after the 2022 season. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a time where the Packers are looking at it and saying, all right, we need to re-up Adams now. Similar to Bakhtiari, similar to Aaron Rodgers. I have a feeling, though, when they do that, that'll be like the dust has settled on the free agency stuff. We'll start looking at that for Adams in July or August. And I, I think Adams will want to stay, especially if Rodgers re-ups his contract. I also think Adams would be good without Aaron Rodgers. I think if it's Rodgers and Jordan Love, or I'm sorry, Aaron, Devontae Adams and Jordan Love, I think that you would still have that same success. I think those, those guys would cook just as much as Rodgers and Adams do. You could release Devin Funchess, um, but I believe he's under contract for another year. So who knows where, what you're getting out of a guy who really hasn't played for two years, but Devin Funchess will be back on this roster. Tight end position, Robert Tanyan technically is a restricted free agent. Someone could offer Tanyan a huge amount of money and maybe Green Bay has to think twice about it. I think Green Bay will make sure that Tanyan is taken care of. Sorry, Tanyan, not Tanyan. Hopefully Rob's not listening. Big dog, I don't know if he's retiring. I don't know if he's coming back. Obviously, I think he would be a great addition, but you do look at that tight end group and you have Sternberger, you have Josiah DeGura. Do you, can you really afford a fourth tight end with Mercedes Lewis? Maybe just because of his leadership and Roger's relationship with him. I don't know. But I that's they don't have much at that tight end position to worry about because a lot of their guys are young and under contract. As for the offensive line, you have, if you want to bring back Rick Wagner, I don't think so. Um, I don't think Rick did enough to me, to say to me, yeah, this guy needs to be back. Corey Lindsley, I think is good as gone. Um, there hasn't been a contract. They usually don't do third contracts with linemen. I think there are two guys that can play the center position, whether it's Elton Jenkins or uh, Lucas Patrick. And because of that, I think Lindsley is good as gone. And then I think John Runyon, fills in that other guard position, and there you go, and you have an offense. I think you do need to look at a tackle, um, whether it be in the draft or in free agency. We'll talk about that again tomorrow. So just teasing tomorrow, getting you ready for tomorrow. As for the defensive line, moving on to the other side of the ball, Dean Lowry is a guy who you could probably move on from. Uh, I think Tyler Lancaster is another one that you have to make a decision on. I don't know. I think both guys, you, you, that's a Joe Barry call. Is Joe Barry thinks that Lowry has a way to be part of that system, then maybe you bring him back. But I didn't see a lot from either of those guys that say, hey, they need to be back on this roster no, no matter what it takes. 
edge rusher position. I think Preston Smith is as good as gone. I know Zedarius will not be happy about that. I know that him and Preston formed a relationship, but I don't think we saw what we needed to out of Preston Smith. And it's a pretty easy move for the Packers to free up $8 million and they're over cap. And I think it will be a COVID casualty, but I, I even think in a regular year, I don't know if you can look at it and say, maybe you got peak Preston Smith in 2019 and you were never going to get that again. So it sucks, but also Rashawn Gary has become a monster. And I think with the way Green Bay structured these contracts, they knew that, hey, maybe if there's an out and maybe if we get an edge rusher, there can be you know some real potential there. So I think they would rather stick with a guy like Rashawn Gary than uh, look at bringing back Preston Smith. And they'll address the edge, whether it's in the free agency or in the draft. Middle linebacker, I think Christian Kirksey's uh, another guy that's kind of done. Um, again, another one you could free some money up. They did figure out how to use Christian Kirksey at the end of the season. Mike Patton deserves credit for figuring out how to really make Christian Kirksey happen with being like a weak side linebacker. But I don't think you're paying Christian Kirksey to be a weak side linebacker. I just think with the talent of Kamal Martin and Chris Barnes, you'd be fine there. And I think either the draft, you can you can kind of load up there. I do agree, though, if you do get rid of Christian Kirksey, you do need to find someone else because Ty Summers cannot be your third linebacker. Ty Summers does not uh, equate to the Vic Fangio rangy defensive lineman. Cornerback. Uh, Kevin King, good is gone, right? There's no way Kevin King's coming back. I, I can't see any scenario where Kevin King will be back on this roster. And I think if he is, I think everybody will rage. Um, but everyone else, I mean, Jair Alexander will have a contract coming up. So you got to maybe think about that. I think it's a lower priority than Devontae Adams. But sometimes those lower priority ones, the guy's like, fuck it, I'll just sign. I think we've seen that happen before where, you know, they're, the focus might be on one guy. Like, oh, who was that? I, I have like a, I have like an example of this and I can't think of it. But, you know, everybody was like, oh, David Bakhtiari would be signed. Oh, who the fuck did they sign? They extend before Bakhtiari last season. All right, that's going to bother me. If you know, please like tell me um, because I'm trying to play. But anyways, that's what, basically what I'm saying is like, Devontae Adams seems like the extension priority, but Jair Alexander is another one where you could just get it done. And if you get Jair done and not Devontae Adams, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, but I think they they will look to kind of upgrade that corner position besides Jair. Safety position, they're all good. They're actually in a really good spot with their safeties with Amos and Savage. I don't see them moving on from Amos uh, being like a COVID cap casualty. Uh, just because he's had a really good year. And I think he can have a very good year uh, with Joe Brady and the new regime next season. Okay, so that does it for what we're kind of looking in. Where, oh, special teams. They might look to move on from J.K. Scott. I think I could see them going in another direction from a punting perspective. Uh, also, Schneidman seems to think the long snapper needs, needs an upgrade, which... I haven't paid close enough attention to Hunter Bradley, so forgive me for that. Um, I'm a bad uh, analyst, but yes, uh, we'll see what the Packers do this offseason from their team right now, and then we'll look outward. We'll look at free agents. We'll talk about wish lists next next tomorrow uh, with Mitch Ross. Let's talk about Ryan Braun, uh, moving topics, moving on to baseball. 
Ryan Braun told Adam McCalvey via text that, hey, I'm still working out, but I'm not really interested in playing. To me, uh, that reads uh, Ryan Braun is kind of pulling a Brett Favre. And we'll get into that in a second. But also, you had Ryan Braun's bats get part of a Brewer social media video about getting all the equipment ready to go down to spring training. So Ryan, Ryan Braun's bats are coming to Arizona. Now, will Ryan Braun be joining those bats? We don't know. And are they doing it as a precaution that they're having conversations? Maybe, maybe not. I don't think Ryan Braun wants to do a full spring training with COVID. I think pretty much Ryan Braun thinks he can do two weeks before the season, come back and be ready to go. I don't think Ryan Braun wants to kind of be isolated in Arizona for a month and miss his wife. And I believe he has two kids now. Um, and I, I just think Ryan Braun would prefer to be at home. And he's like, I can do all the workouts. I know what I'm doing. And then in two week, two weeks before, maybe I'll come back, get some swings, get myself ready, and then be ready for the regular season. We've seen Ryan Braun basically need very limited spring training reps and be awesome in the month of April. And with his body sort of breaking down at the end of last season, I think Ryan Braun's looking at a 162-game slate and saying, I need as much time to be to not be playing baseball and I need the rest and recuperation because I'm not going to be ready to go. Uh, you know, I don't need to do the full spring training. And maybe Ryan Braun just doesn't want to play because of the COVID stuff. That's also a factor. Now, I think that we will COVID will not be a big storyline this season. I, it will be originally, right? But I don't think there's going to be as many COVID cases. I think you're going to start seeing less and less. I think there's going to be some talk about if these guys should get vaccinated. We've discussed this a little bit on the podcast. I don't need to kind of get on my soapbox yet again. Um, so I do think that's less of a factor. But I but look, Ryan Braun said in like early September, or was it early August? Early August that he was like, I don't know if I want to play. Like when Lorenzo Cain opted out, Ryan Braun nearly joined him. Like I think people kind of forget that, that Ryan Braun was ready. And he said any day it could change. So like Ryan Braun was like, if there, I feel like if the Brewers would have had an outbreak, which thank God they didn't. But if I think if they would have had an outbreak, I think Ryan Braun was done. I don't think Ryan Braun was, would have played. I think he was going to opt out. So the fact that Ryan Braun you know, it's still like kind of like, eh, I don't know. I think that's part of it too. And I don't blame him. Look, again, going back, he has a kid. He's two kids. He has a wife. His wife's very health conscious. I think she runs like a health blog. So I don't know. Maybe she's, you know, has some opinions on COVID and kind of getting into his head or nagging him a little bit about it. Like it happens. Our significant others all nag us, whether male, female, we all get on each other's cases about certain things that we believe strongly in and maybe the, the other person doesn't. So I don't know. I don't know what potentially could be going on with Braun. I think it's more though the former. He doesn't want to do a full spring training and I don't really blame him. Pull Michael Strahan, pull Brett Favre, like kind of act like you're retired and then two weeks before, like around March Madness, be like, okay, hey, you know what? I, I want to play baseball. You guys know I want to play baseball. I want to come back. Can we work on a deal and get this done? And I think kind of similar to our Packer discussion, it's a little different, but I think that there is a contract out there for Ryan Braun to sign for the Milwaukee Brewers. I think the Milwaukee Brewers have a contract out for Ryan Braun, whether it's like one year, six million or one year, 10 million. 
they know that Ryan Braun can come back, similar to like Adam Wainwright or Yadier Molina. I think the card did the Cardinals re-sign Yadier Molina yet? I don't know. I I saw something about him, and I, nothing would be funnier for me than Yadier Molina not being on the on the St. Louis Cardinals. It'd be really weird to see Yadier Molina in another uniform, but I would enjoy it because the breakdown from Cardinals fans would be incredible. Popping Yadier's name in here. Okay, Yadier Molina is 38. They just asked if he will play. Oh, he resigned. He did resign with the Cardinals uh, for his 18th season. He returned on a one-year deal. That happened on Monday. So Yadier is back. He will be, open, be the opening day catcher for a 17th straight year. He's a Hall of Famer. Like, I mean, he's a prick. I fucking hate him. But he's he's a really good player. It's You, you can't... I'm not going to suck his dick like the Brewers uh, broadcast does. Because that... Nothing annoys me more. I love Brian Anderson. I love Bill Schrader. But nothing annoys me more than dick-sucking factory that they give uh, Yadier Molina. It's so obnoxious every year. Look forward to that, that segment when uh, the Brewers play the Cardinals for the first time this season. But anyways, back to Ryan Braun. I, I think it's similar, though, in the sense that, yeah, maybe, you know, Yachty needs, like, a full spring training because he needs to work with all the new the pitchers and catcher. Like, he needs to be there to work with all the pitchers. Ryan Braun doesn't necessarily need to be there. So Ryan Braun can hang out. It's not that Ryan Braun is unemployed right now. I think Ryan Braun has offers to play. I just think he's like, I, I don't know. Like, do I want to, like, go to a new team and be a DH? Like, maybe the Los Angeles Angels reached out and were like, hey, you can stay in L.A., we'll have you DH. Does Ryan Braun really want to do that? I don't know. I don't, I'm not in his head. And I think if any team that Braun would want to play for is weirdly the Dodgers to get a ring, right? And that would suck. I would hate that. Um, and I honestly would. I, I That would bother me. I, and the Dodgers, I think, have become more unlikable. But if they got if they got Ryan Braun, I'd probably want to punt a hundred things because that would infuriate me. San Diego wouldn't make me as mad. I'd hope then that if it isn't going to be the Brewers this season, that it's the Padres because Ryan Braun's on the roster. But again, I think even if Ryan Braun decides to stay closer to home and not be in Milwaukee, I think he will wait till around like mid March and then be like, "Hey, I'm available. I want to play." And who knows? Maybe Ryan Braun's going to get vaccinated. I, I don't know. I think you're going to have some players who are vaccinated, by the way. I think there are some players who are going to have it and it'll leak out and be like, oh yeah, I got vaccinated. And that'll become like a big thing locally uh, in their city. Like, oh, my 70-year-old grandma can't get vaccinated, but this fucking athlete can. Yeah, you'll have a lot of that. I, again, I'm trying hard not to go on my soapbox. <laughs> uh, I very much, I was a, I was using my hands, like very Francesa-ish. Like, I'm not trying to go there. But anyways, I do think Ryan Braun will be back in some capacity. I don't think Ryan Braun's done. If he is, we know that we are going to do a Ryan Braun Memorial Bob Crawl. It's happening. It's something we've talked about for so many fucking years. We can't not do a Ryan Braun Pub Crawl. So if Ryan Braun does not play this season and he does retire, he has to actually file the papers. Because if he doesn't file the papers, I'm not going to do the pub crawl. Because nothing would make me look stupider than Ryan Braun um, unretired or like coming on a roster in, in June, like pulling a Clemens almost and saying, all right, I want to play. I didn't want to deal with the Wisconsin winter. Um, I didn't want to deal with spring training. So I'm here in June now to play outdoors at Miller Park. 
Who knows? Real quick, I just had this thought, and maybe this is a discussion. I'll save this discussion topic, but should the Brewers play all their games outdoors this year? Uh, with the with like COVID still going on, uh, that that's an interesting conversation. I we'll put a pin in that. I want to talk about that. Uh, maybe we'll do that um, on Friday. Uh, we have free talk, whatever, um, on Friday. So maybe we'll do that Friday. I don't know, or next week. That's a good one. I'll write that one down because I think that's actually really an interesting discussion. Moving on to ticket story time. So for those who are unfamiliar or you haven't heard the segment yet. Uh, I pick out tickets from my past and kind of talk about the stories behind them. And some have stories. Some are going to be just games where it's like, oh, yeah, I was there and this is what happened. And do I remember it? Do I not? So I'm going to talk about my time where I went to Boston with my dad to see the Red Sox play the Brewers. Now, the Brewers and Red Sox at the time were both very successful. They had about the same record. The Brewers were leading the NL Central. Um, they end up do winning that division in 2011, but that time it was a tight race between them, and I believe at that time it was the Cubs. It might have been the St. Louis Cardinals. It probably was the Cardinals. I, I didn't look at the division, but anyways, my dad and I went out to Boston. Um, it was the middle of the summer. I was heading into my last year in college. Um, it was right. It was Father's Day weekend, which was really cool. And so it was just time for my dad and I to spend together. And it was, I think it was the only time my dad and I had went on a trip ourselves. So just him and I, um, we traveled together for like football camps and he went with me to a job thing in Columbus, Ohio, a couple of years later, but him and I didn't really do a lot of solo trips. It was always my mom, my sister, him. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever been on something with just my two parents and not my sister. So it was always a familial thing. So him and I had not kind of done a trip together, and but it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a great time. Uh, he had, he knew some guys out in Boston. Uh, we got to spend some time with them. We went to the games on Friday and Sunday, and unfortunately for us, we saw both losses, and they got their asses kicked in both of those games. Uh, it was not good. Um, I don't know if you've been to Fenway. If you haven't, Fenway is such an experience. The energy, the atmosphere around that place is similar to Lambeau Field. It's kind of wild because it's similar to Wrigley in the sense that it's just this stadium in the middle of Boston. Like it is just smack dab in the middle of Boston and it just sort of pops up and it's like, oh, hey, there is Fenway Park. And obviously there's a ton of shit around it. People, you know, want to, you know, obviously capitalize on the fact that the Red Sox are right there. And this was 2011. So normal times where people were all over the place and the city was alive at that point. And we'll get to that in a second. So we head in, we have great seats. Uh, We're on the first baseline. But one of the things you don't realize is Fenway was built, you know, in the mid hundred, you know, it's early 1910s. People were different shapes and sizes back then. It is tight. And I, and at that time I was, I was okay. Like I'm heavier now than I was when I was uh, 23 at that time. And it was tight and it wasn't just tight. Cause I'm like a bigger dude. It was tight. Cause I was tall. Like those seats were not that comfortable. 
And, but you were so close to the action, like ridiculously close because you were just right on top of, of the stadium. Like the way that Fenway is set up, you can see everything and you can watch everything. And it's an awesome view. And we had an awesome time just watching the game. Now the Brewers got their asses handed to him. Sean Markham got pulled after the first inning. He gave up two runs four hits, and he was pulled after eight batters and 44 pitches. Ron Renneke took him out, brought in Marco Estrada. Marco Estrada then got got harassed, and it was bad. Danny Herrera, who I don't even remember, pitched in and gave up three runs. Brewers ended up giving up nine runs in total. Uh, we had a Tim Dillard appearance in that one, but the, in total, the Brewers lost 10-4 to four to the Boston Red Sox after the Brewers had jumped over the Red Sox to get a 2-0 lead on John Lackey. John Lackey kind of did his thing and settled in after that. Um, this was before we knew that John Lackey would kind of give the Brewers trouble because he wasn't a Chicago Cub just yet. But yeah, the Red Sox jumped all over the Brewers in that game. Big day from Adrian Gonzalez and David Ortiz. Uh, Gonzalez went four for three, three for four, and Ortiz went three for five. Home runs from Jacoby Ellsbury and Adrian Gonzalez in that game. But yeah, it was it was something else, and it was just a great experience. No matter not you know having the Brewers lose sucked, but it was it was still really fun to be there. And of course, they win. The next night when we're not there, but that day was wild for my dad and I. So my dad and I went to Boston the same weekend that it was after the Boston Bruins had won the Stanley Cup. So Boston Bruins had this epic series with the Vancouver Canucks that weirdly I got into. I don't know if it's because I was just starting to read Barstool at the time and Barstool was super into it. So I just decided to jump in and start watching. And, you know, you wanted to cheer for the Bruins because fuck Canada, and the Sedin twins, who some people would call the Sedin sisters. You can't do that anymore, but people hated the Sedins. Uh, there was another guy, Alex something. I forget his name. Uh, Pat Luce is going to fact check me on this. But anyways, um, we, you hated that Vancouver team. Like You just did not like that Vancouver team. And so they won an epic series. They were back in Boston. The parade was that Saturday. My dad dad and I decided not to go to the parade. Um, he just was like, yeah, too many crowds, which I get. I kind of regret that looking back just because I haven't had a championship parade since then. So it would have been cool just to see it. But holy fuck, Boston was so drunk that night, that afternoon. And I think my dad was like kind of taken aback at how drunk the city was. Like for me, college kid, dealt with Pickle Fest, has been involved with day drinking before. I was like, this is like homecoming. This is like Pickle Fest. And as much as I love spending time with my dad, and it was Father's Day weekend, I was kind of like, could one of my buddies come to Boston with me right now and let's just put on a fucking show? So that, that was kind of funny. And he claims like, oh, I wasn't taken aback. I'm like, dude, yes, you were. Like, I remember that. Like, you were surprised at like how drunk everybody was. And I, I was like... You know, this is a this is a normal Saturday afternoon if it's like Pickle Palooza uh, in Eau Claire. So it wasn't surprising, but yeah, the next game we go to we go to boss we go to the the Saturday Sunday game, excuse me, and they bring out the Bruins on the duck boat. Uh, we're actually sitting on the left field side this time, and Tim Thomas comes right by us and 
holds up the Stanley Cup. And I get this great picture of him. I think it's still on my Facebook page. Uh, Facebook page. I think it's still on my Facebook account. I have to like look through all my pictures. Maybe if I have some time today, I will add that to the Twitter feed. I'll maybe put it on my IG story. But it was an awesome thing to see the duck boat, see how how fired up people were with the Bruins there. It was kind of a guarantee that the Red Sox weren't going to lose that game. I think if I, you know, I didn't gamble at the time, but I think if you did, you'd put all your money on the Red Sox not losing that game. And sure enough, they came out and absolutely annihilated the Brewers in that game, uh, putting up six runs in the first inning. It was over from Jump Street. Giovanni Gallardo really struggled in that game. And they lost 12 to 3. Brewers only got four hits off Tim Wakefielder. Tim Wakefield, the knuckleballer, not Tim Wakefielder. So, yes, I saw the Brewers lose twice in Boston. I would love to go back. I had such a good time in Boston. Would recommend it when things are back to normal. That Boston team, kind of incredible because they, like I said, they had a similar record as the Brewers at that point. The Red Sox were 43 and 28, Brewers 40 and 33. And then the Red Sox had the chicken and beer stuff. Where they went 12, they were 66 and 40 heading into August, and they went 12 and 17 and then 7 and 20. That is an epic collapse. And to me, that's a great 30 for 30 about what happened that season because everything fell apart for the Red Sox. And they had so much talent, they had such a good team, and then they completely fell apart. In, and then they rebuilt for a year, and then they end up winning the World Series, and I think in 20, 2013. And that's the uh, Beards team that was very good um, and beat the, beat the Cardinals, which whenever you beat the Cardinals, I'm, I'm okay with. So it, it's weird to look back and look at that record and be like, how is that Red Sox team now in the playoffs? And you're like, oh, yeah, it's the chicken and beer year. So anyways, hope you enjoyed Ticket Story Time. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We will be back tomorrow, like I said, with Tabby Cag, Mitch Ross and I in the booth talking Packer offseason. We'll also talk some Bucks and maybe a little Brewers too. So look forward to chatting and chopping it up with Mitchie tomorrow night. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.